Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Josh, co-founder of Urban Valor. Welcome to another episode of the Urban Valor podcast. Our guest today is retired Marine gunnery sergeant, Andrew Cruz. Andrew was born in Southern California, but went to live in Costa Rica at the age of one. Around the age of four, he and his mom came back to the States with help from coyotes to cross the border. Andrew joined the Marines as a supply guy and eventually got into recruiting where he spent most of his military career. In this episode, Andrew throws out so many gems about how he used the skills acquired in the Marines to start and run multiple successful businesses. If you enjoy this episode, go give us a five-star rating and leave a comment to help support our veterans. The bigger the community, the bigger the impact. If you'd like to contribute your story to Urban Valor or know anyone else who may, reach out to us on Instagram at Urban Valor TV, or you could email us at team at urbanvalor.com. Enjoy the show. What's cool. up, Andrew? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Good, brother. Thank you for being here. No, yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's just start off. Why don't you just introduce yourself and talk to me about your uh, upbringing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, my, my name my name's Andrew Cruz. Uh, I live in Chino Hills, California. I was born and raised in Southern California. And uh, I, I, spent, I spent a good portion of my adult life the, in, until this point in, in the Marine Corps. I, I, I retired from the Marine Corps July of 2021. And uh, before that, I, I, grew, I grew up in Ontario, California for, for a good amount. I graduated 2000, 2003. I'm a um, single, single um, only child. Grew up in a single parent household. Uh, dad wasn't so much in the picture. Mom, mom played the super, super, uh, super mom role, where she was the the mom and dad. And uh, yeah, I grew I grew up with my mom the my whole life, uh, and that's where I would say I, I pull I pulled a lot of good takeaways. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're you're uh, originally from Costa Rica, is that right? Yeah, you know, uh, so I, I I was born in LA, but at the at the age of one, uh, my 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 parents uh, they were never married, and they they split. And when I when I was one, I ended up uh, with my mom. We moved down to Costa Rica, and I I, I lived there. Well, I grew up there at, at my grandma's house. My mom lived there, and Spanish was the first language that I learned, and it was around the age of four. Uh, that that we ended up coming back to California in a pretty interesting pretty interesting way. Uh, we actually cro- crossed the border with uh, w- with some coyotes uh, or coyotes, right? <laughs> uh, right. So it, it pre- pretty interesting thing. From what I remember, it, it was pretty lax. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember ever really having to run, run across the border. I think we walked across or no, we actually like drove in a van with a, with, with a, a bunch of other people across, across the border. And then at some point we just, we were like walk, walking, walking on the freeway. Wow. Uh, but, but didn't really run, run across the street. Like you see the little signs in San Diego, with, <laughs> like the little families going, going across the freeway. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I went to a family friend's house in, in LA and we were there for about a year or so. Um, but yeah, su- super interesting because my mom at the time, so I was, I was a citizen by birth, but my mom was, uh, she, she was here on a, on a work visa for an extended period of time. And when, when my mom and dad, uh, when my mom and dad split, 
left. And then her, her intent was to come back to the States. And obviously she wasn't a resident. She wasn't a citizen. So uh, I would say she was a, a resourceful woman. And I can only appreciate her, her resourcefulness to, to get our asses back across this side of the border. Um, and, and the way in which it happened is, is, is just, uh, interesting memory. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's wild, yeah. dude. <laughs> um, so what inspired you to, to, to go into the Marine Corps? You know, I would say, uh, my, my initial thought off, off, off the bat was school, school wasn't really for me. I never, I never really got into really enjoying or, or doing homework or, uh, it's that, that part wasn't for me. So, uh, but one thing that I did know growing up, because I didn't really have a lot of money as, as I was growing up with, with a single parent household, single income, single income household with a child, not, I, I, I can see now how, how difficult and challenging that could be. But, uh, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to stay like that. And although school wasn't the route that I really wanted to take, I, I just, brainstormed and thought about some things that, that I aligned with and that I wanted to do. And when I was in high school, one, one of the things that I wanted to do, I think the idea stemmed like when I was a sophomore or something like that, that I wanted to get into law enforcement and thinking about, well, what, what's going to set me up for success to get into law enforcement? And in, in my mind, the way I looked at it was one, I could either do the military, do four years, get out and, and transition because in, in the state of California, you have to be minimum 20 and a half in order to apply. And uh, so it was either military service or go to community college, take a look at the police explorer route and, and see how that shakes out. Um, so that, that was the initial thought. I, I, I think uh, my senior year of high school, lazy. I would say I was lit. Not, no, no, I was lazy. I was a lazy <laughs> dude. Uh, yeah. lit, lazy guy would procrastinate quite a bit. And it was actually my mom who was the big, uh, uh, what are the protagonist or antagonist? She was, she was the, she was the one that was, uh, she was the one that was pushing me to, to get shit done. And she, she's the one that told me, she was like, you're either going to go to college or you're going to go to the military. Mm. Your choice, you pick, but start start making moves, and this was like let's say going into my senior year of high school. That that's what really started driving that that direction. And then my my good friend Matt in high school, he had a cousin that was in the Marine Corps, and he he had heard that I was talking about joining the military or going to boot camp after high school, and he was like, "Hey, dude, uh, my cousin my cousin Justin's in the Marine Corps, and I'm thinking about joining the Marine Corps after high school." Uh, you want to go with me to the recruiting office? And uh, so I was just like, yeah, man, let's, let's do it. Like, I'm down. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm all about it. And I, I went with him to the recruiting office. That was the first time I had seen Marines. Uh, khaki shirt, royal blue pants, red stripe down the, down the pant leg. The uniform looked badass. The, the dudes were all in shape. They're pretty funny, funny guys. And uh, I came to find out that all of the benefits were pretty much the same. A lot of the jobs were relatively the same. And so once I got an understanding that, that, that all of that part was the same, 
the difference was the culture, uh, the culture, and I guess the objective of what the military branch does, in, like their role for our country. And after after hearing hearing what the Marine Corps had to say, I was like, you know what? I think I think the Marine Corps is badass. <laughs> and just coming coming out of that, I was like, okay, well, Marine Corps is like the most difficult one. Air Force is the the easiest one in regards to physical fitness standards. And then the Navy, the, they're like on ships. And, and then the Army is the Army. It's sort of like the Marine Corps, uh, sort of like the Marine Corps, but not quite. It's like varsity and JV kind of thing, right? <laughs> You're going to ruffle some <laughs> right, so, You know, it, it, it is what it is. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I, 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 pre- I appreciate everyone's service and it's a good military humor. Yeah. Um, but no, at, I think at that, at that point, uh, I, I, I got totally swayed and I, it, it was like the, just the title, uh, to me, Marine sound more badass than soldier. Uh, the fact that you, the, the, the way they did the marketing, like you have to earn the title, it's not given to you, uh, and, and, and all that. So it was like, sort yeah. of like a, like an ego thing, yeah, yeah, right? It's, it's like the cool factor. Right. Marine, Marine Corps is like the cool factor and then army is like, it's thank you for your service. Right. right? <laughs> right. Yeah. How long did you end up staying in the Marines? It was a total of 18 years. Wow. Yeah. It was a total of 18 so years. So 20, 20, 2004 to... 2021 wow there's something like that yeah um so talk to me about your experience uh in, in the marines man how, how was it for you um um you know what was it like for you day to day uh yeah um so when when i went to when i went to boot camp i think boot camp was the most terrible experience of my life really it, in the sense of like, if you if you had ever gone, like if you can imagine what jail would be like, I felt like that's what boot camp was. Mm. Uh, but it, it was it was really good. I feel like I need I needed an experience like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the structure, the discipline. Um, but fast forwarding out, out of boot camp, my job school was in Mississippi. That was the first time that I had ever been. Uh, in, in the South, uh, it, it was pretty interesting. I was in, I was in Mississippi from the months of July and August. So it was hot as shit. Uh, it, it would rain in the summertime, which, which was weird for, for me coming from California. And, uh, the, the diversity factor was, it wasn't, it's not a melting pot. It's either, it, you're either white or black. And if you're anything in the middle, you're likely in the military. Mm. And, uh, so that, that was pretty, interesting i i i didn't really care for the weather so i knew where i would I, where i wouldn't want to live uh in my <laughs> during my lifetime uh and i i ended up finding out that i didn't even know the marine corps had an an aviation side of the house like i thought i was going to be ground supply dealing with like flak jackets and and all that stuff and when we were at marine marine combat training uh they, they told they told me i was aviation supply and it's funny because I was like, oh, shit, I didn't even know there was airplanes, <laughs> which is how little I knew. Like, like nowadays, kids will Google and YouTube and, and do all their due diligence before right. joining the, the branch of service. And I feel like I just, what? Let's hit it. Or, yeah, yeah. But, but so I, I ended up doing aviation supply. The school was in Mississippi. 
my recruiter had told me that because I'm from California, uh, I would more than likely end up in California. That was a fucking lie. <laughs> I, I ended up in North Carolina. No way. <laughs> a, a, no, a recruiter lied to you? No yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, what, 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 uh, what duty station? I was at Cherry Point. Okay. Yeah, so my first duty station was Cherry Point. Uh, I, I, did, I, did, uh, I was there for four years. I went on uh, one med float on the USS Baton in 2007. Mm. It, 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 you know, it, it, was, it was a pretty awesome experience uh, on the back end. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for aviation supply, the way, the way it works uh, with, with our unit anyway, it's whenever a flying squadron w- was going to deploy, uh, they would rate X amount of like, aviation supply marines for however many aircraft that they would take. And uh, not all, not everyone in my shop would deploy all at once. So it's like, who's on deck? Who's who's going to be next to deploy? And my original intention was to do four years, exit the Marine Corps, and circle back to law enforcement. So while while I was there, to uh, in in two thousand seven, that was creeping towards the end of my uh, enlistment, and uh, I was finally on deck. I was like, all right, cruise is going to do the, the next deployment. And it happened to be a med float. And it was like, hey, do you want to go on this, on this med float? And I was like, yeah. Like, how am I going to exit the Marine Corps and just having not deployed? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no fucking way. And so it, I, I, I signed up to go on that deployment. Typically uh, on, on the floats, uh, it's, you, you're either going to be a part of supplementation into wherever uh the the tension is Mm -hmm. or humanitarian missions in case of natural disaster Mm -hmm. and so i that's i i went i went on 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 that deployment with that mindset where it's it's either gonna be one or the other tentatively at the time it would have been iraq or natural disaster uh relief type mission Mm -hmm. and uh i went i went i went on the med float um the, there was no need to supplement in, in Iraq, so I got I got to ride, ride the ship for six months, and and the benefit was going to different countries. You know, um, super fortunate. Uh, we we crossed we crossed over the Atlantic. We left from Virginia, and the the first the first country we stopped in was Sicily. Uh, every single country that we stopped in was for about five days. And we, we got to go, go and, uh, they set up some tours. If you want to sign up for a tour, you can go out and get trashed in, in the local bars. Yeah. And I get, luckily, I, there, there was some senior leadership that was like, Hey, you know, just keep in mind that you're, you're in this foreign country that you may never come back to. So, uh, before you go out there and get fucked up at a bar, go on a tour or two. So that so that you can experience the country, because if you just go to the bar, then it's going to be no different than going to a bar anywhere <laughs> else, because you're just going to you're just going to party or whatever. So I, I made sure I, I took I took those words uh, and, and applied them. I went on a tour at whatever country we, we were in uh, at the time, but yeah, we went. I hit Sicily. We went to Turkey. Uh, we went through the Suez Canal. Uh, we ended up in the Persian Gulf. We went to uh, Dubai. Dubai was badass. Uh, they had the Mall of Emirates uh, where, where they, they had snowboarding. It was like snowboarding in the middle of the desert. 
that that was a phenomenal experience. I think I'd love I'd love to go back to Dubai now. I think that was in 2007 Dubai and it was badass. I so can't you, imagine. So you got to snowboard out there? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I had just gotten into snowboarding like a year before, yeah. so it, it was it was really cool. Uh, besides Dubai, Bahrain, and then we started coming back. We hit Rota, Spain on the way back, and then crossed over the Atlantic. And, and so, did you cro- you cross the equator? Yeah. So did you do fuck? Did you do the like shellback? Yeah. Yeah. You guys the, did that. The Navy fuck fuck games, dude. <laughs> are you, you mind talking a little bit about that? Because a lot of people don't understand what that is. Most most people, unless you're in the Marines and you went on ship. Yeah. So so the it's it's funny because uh, I'd say the military in general is big on tradition. Yeah. And Marine Corps is huge on tradition. Uh, Navy's big on tradition too. So it's. To become a shellback, you have to be on board the ship and then be be at the equator or south of the equator. And it's like the, there's like this, this uh, I don't even know what to call it, but there's like a, 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 a certain amount of events that you got to do. And it, it's sort of like, I don't want to call it hazing. But it, but it's fucking hazing. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say, let's be real, bro. We've been fucking the hazing fucking those. Yeah. And it's like I just remember, like uh, there, there's like these holes on the flight deck where you can clip the hooks so that the planes stay where they need to stay. They fill it with water, and like one of the things you got to blow the water out of it, these little these little pockets on the flight deck. And you get sprayed with like a hose, and I don't even remember. It, it, it must have been not bad enough to not create like a trigger trauma of what that hazing episode was. Yeah. But it, it's cool. You get a certificate, and, and it's a, one of those pride of belonging kind yeah. of things. And it wasn't just a regular hose, it was fucking fire hose. It was fire hose. It'll <laughs> knock you on your ass. Wow. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then, uh, so you did that job supply, but then um, you also did recruiting duty. Is that right? Yeah, you know, um, good old procrastination didn't leave Andrew uh, too soon, right? Uh, so hi, it's like your your first four year enlistment. Uh, it goes by pretty quick. I would say the first the first two years, every, everyone that is paying paying attention uh, knows what I'm talking about. Like the first year or two drags ass and it sucks because you're unaccustomed to the structure but then uh year three and four fly by and uh i just i i, I was on the other side of the country and it, it was time to re-enlist or get out uh, at the time the marine corps was doing its plus up so they're recruiting more and they're also needing to retain more so the marine corps which is not known for giving out bonuses was giving out bonuses and uh, I was enticed with, with a 30K bonus to do another four years. And I was able to then also pick to go to San Diego or Miramar. And uh, so I, I chose to re-enlist uh, because I, I hadn't done anything police-wise. I didn't submit any applications and the I just I didn't look too much into it. But I, I re-enlisted. I was in Miramar for about three, two and a half, three years. And in the Marine Corps, in order to stay competitive for promotion, you got you got to pick a special duty assignment. And so at that seven year mark, I, I, I volunteered for recruiting duty uh, versus being voluntold to, to go on a special duty assignment. And I felt like recruiting was more of like my my personality rather than drill instructor. 
And so I, I volunteered for recruiting duty at the seven year mark. I went, I went on recruiting and, uh, stayed there, man. So, uh, so, um, everybody that has fucking sat in this seat to do, uh, uh, to tell their story, I think like 99% of them have said their recruiter lied to them, right? Yeah. Including you. You yeah. just said it. So how many fucking times did you lie, Andrew, to the... <laughs> you know, <laughs> not one fucking time did I ever lie. You know, it's... Uh, I, I, choo- I choose the words carefully yeah. because, because in the, for me personally, uh, I would say that being fact-checked by a kid is one of the most terrible feelings ever. Mm. And I didn't experience it, nor did I want to experience yeah. it. And, and in all reality, Chevy, if you ever watch this, dude, you're, you didn't fucking lie, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said, because I'm from California, more than likely I would end up in California. But to yeah. me, the way I interpreted it was, you said I was coming back. Yeah. And I didn't come back. <laughs> and, and, uh, you, I mean, you make a good point. Like, like, you know, a kid fact-checked in you. I mean, they got fucking yeah. access to all information on the internet at this point now, right? Oh, yeah. When, I think when, when you and I both went to boot camp, boot camp was a mystery. Yeah. There was fog of war. You didn't know what to expect in boot camp. Today, you can watch the whole fucking thing on YouTube. Tell me if you did this, because I think almost every <laughs> fucking Marine watched uh, the boot camp. Uh, uh, full Metal Jacket. Yeah, Full Metal Jacket, right? The yeah. boot camp scene over and over and over again. Yeah, that, That's how you fucking knew what boot camp was like, or that was your perception of it. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that was it right there. I just knew I was going to yell and learn how to shoot a weapon. Right. And right. Uh, just do what you're told. Yeah. That's it. Um, talk to me a little bit about what, like being a Marine Corps recruiter, uh, uh, meant to you. Um, because in my opinion, uh, it's a very, very important job because you're selecting the people that are supposed to go into this organization and uphold the reputation of what it is to be a Marine. Um, did you take it that serious at the time or what, what did it mean being a recruiter to you? You know, not, no. <laughs> I was on the I was on the streets and I was there to survive. Right, right. You know, like you you I say who wants to join the Marine Corps and you say I do. Mm. Let's go motherfucker. Right. You're, you're joining. We're going to figure this out. Right. Right. <laughs> but um there there's a lot there's a lot of uh there's a lot of things that you really can't work with. And the Marine Corps I would say is pretty pretty strict in the sense of um, if, if you just don't have the bandwidth, uh, to do well on the ASVAB, it, it's like you sort of disqualify yourself. Right. And it's like, I got a better understanding of, of the ASVAB and the medical physical. I think the medical physical is sometimes all the times high into the right. It's like an extreme, uh, thing because the smallest thing can disqualify you from service, which is pretty retarded. Um, but, but no, you know, like, I, I think if, if the chubby kid that can do no pull-ups wanted to do, uh, the Marine Corps and, and, uh, and he, he was able to do well on the ASVAB and, you know, like they, I would say that's not the high bear, like the high hung fruit. They, they'd likely be like the low bearing fruit mm-hmm. because there, there's a, obviously the standard. And if they can't, if they can't do the initial strength test, 
then they cancel themselves out and they can't go to boot camp. Mm. Um, but if, if someone who's not where they need to be and they want to go to boot camp, it, it's like you got to ask yourself if you're willing to invest in that kid and, and think that he will be able to do the three pull-ups, 55 crunches, and run the mile and a half in 10 10 or uh, in 13 minutes or less. Mm. Like if the kid can do that, then then he's either going to be worth your time or he's just buying you time mm. in the contracting uh, portion of the mission. Um, but if, if a kid can do three pull-ups, 55 or uh, yeah, like I, I think it was 55 crunches in two minutes or less or, or the mile and a half in 13 minutes uh, and they, they scored well on the ASVAB, they're, they're good to go, you know, because we, we run the police record check. So if a kid has a felony, he fucked. Uh, if, if the kid ha, has eczema or asthma or uh, discloses ADHD medicine or, or whatever, it's like those, those are the things that, that typically disqualify someone uh, from, from being able to cross that line anyway. Mm. So it, it's like the quality control has increased substantially, uh, on, on the front end going into the military where it's like, you, you're just looking for those unicorns that, that fit in that box and then you just run it. Yeah. You fit, you figure it out along the way, uh, and, and, and you go with it. Mm. Um, so you end up, uh, uh, you spent the remainder of your career actually as a recruiter, right? I, yeah. Let's say the remainder of what was it, 10, 11 years or so? Yeah, it was about 11 years. Yeah. Um, how did you end up in that role for so long? Uh, great question. You know, um, mo- most service members will despise recruiting. Like it, it's the shittiest thing ever. And then there's some sick individuals who just gravitate towards it and they like it. And, you know, I was, I was one of the, I was one of those guys. Um, and, and I'll tell you why I would say damn near every job in the Marine Corps, you, you only see your piece of the pie. You don't really see the whole, the full cycle of what's going on. And I'll use supply as an example. So aviation supply, uh, it's like a FedEx cause we deliver parts and an auto zone, but for aircraft. Now, our customer is the, the flying squadron. Something, something breaks on, on, the, on the aircraft in flight or doing preventive maintenance, and the squadron orders it. We get the little ticket, we pull, we pull the fucking part, and then we go deliver it. We give it to them, they sign for it, here we are. That's it. Wash, rinse, repeat. It, to me, it, it seemed like uh, it was ungratifying. Because obviously the bigger picture is, well, the part goes on the aircraft and the aircraft provides support to the dudes on the ground, and, but the pilot needs to be proficient and get his hours and all this other shit. But you don't see that. I'm in a fucking warehouse pulling pull apart from a box and then we deliver it. And we're not seeing the aircraft uh, go up, do what they do. Something breaks, they come back down. And we don't see them save the day and be the hero um, to, from, from providing air support. And so it's, you just see your piece of the pie. In, in the recruiting environment, uh, every recruiter is like a sports card or a baseball card. You turn it over, everyone's got their stats. 
And it's like you either suck or 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 you're fucking shit hot. But either way, it, it's not it's not a very glorifying thing because the 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 work hours are long, the temp the the stress tempo is high. Um, but it, so it's a it's a fast paced, high tempo environment. However, at the same time, it's also very fulfilling because. The, there's many times where I, I met a random kid and uh, I generated some interest. He comes to the office. They do the practice test. They, they crush it or they barely crush it. We sit down and we ask questions to understand what they want to do in life. And we talk to them about how the Marine Corps can help them achieve that. Uh, through the organization and set them up for success beyond the enlistment. They say, yes, we meet the parents. And then from there, after we meet the parents, we, we schedule the testing. We drive, we drive them to LA. Uh, I, I was recruiting initially in, out of Long Beach. So going to LA Maps was about 45 minutes with no traffic. So it's like we drive, we drive them to Maps. They do the tests on another day. They do the medical physical. They fucking pass their contract. And it's like there's some level of gratification right there because our job is to contract uh, individuals into the delayed entry program so that they can go to boot camp and the drill instructors can uh, turn that civilian into the United States Marine. Uh, but so once they're in the delayed entry program, they're with us for six to eight months. And it's like, now you are like their mentor, like you're supposed to set them up for success. And if, if they mentally and physically, but if they're already PT studs and they're good to go in the, in the physical aspect strength, like to where they can hit the minimum or they're, they're studs and they're just crushing it physically, uh, you, you get to know the kid on a different level and, uh, you, you can feed them your advice or give them your two cents on things or you begin to create that relationship and at some point they're going to go to boot camp and then they come back and then they come back to the United States Marine and you see this glow about them or they're a little different uh, and and some you keep in touch with uh, awesome for social media some, some some you don't because at some point it, it becomes gray matter because you 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 come across so many people and you don't cultivate the same level of relationship with, with every single kid. But the ones that you do, uh, it's professionally rewarding because I would say that uh, in my time in the Marine Corps, I can genuinely say with every ounce of my heart that it did me good. And I would trade fucking nothing uh, for my experience in the Marine Corps, I would do nothing differently. And because I have that outlook of how good it did for me in my life, it, I feel good when someone goes to boot camp and then they have the opportunity to uh, carve out their own experience. But I genuinely feel like I'm positively impacting another person's life. And it's not like uh, for a day or two, it's for fucking four years or five years or 15 years or 20 yeah, forever, years, really. you know? Um, yeah. 
There, there's some guys that, that I put in the Marine Corps. I think me personally, I put in a total of like 78 guy, guys and a handful of girls in, into the Marine Corps. And I keep in touch with, with, with a handful or two. And then I was a, a, a boss of three different recruiting offices. And each year you, you have a lot of kids that or a lot of individuals that, that go, go to and from uh, boot camp. And it's, and it's funny because last night, actually, my buddy Manny had just bought a townhouse over by Top Golf in Ontario. And I went to go check out his, his new place, uh, congratulate him and, and see, see his, see his new spot in person. And he wanted to go grab a beer at this brewery in Rancho, uh, called Hamilton's. And we, we went to Hamilton's. I was like, yeah, you know, let's go, let's go cheers it up and we'll grab a beer. We're, we're there uh, last night at Hamilton's and a fucking, uh, a fucking guy that went through one of my recruiting offices was now was working at the brewery. Mm. Uh, he had done like his four or five years in the Marine Corps, uh, got out, married. He, he's doing uh, he's going to school to for, for a certain trade. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember if it was like welding or something like that. But he he had bought a house in Lytle Creek, and he and then he wor- he works at the at the brewery. Uh, but but it was just cool to see in in passing. And he had he had this fucking beard. I, I didn't really recognize him, but I remember his name. Uh, his name his last name is Meldrum. And the reason why I remember him so vividly is because I used to call the guy fucking Red Rum. <laughs> and, but in all reality, the recruiting environment it teaches you whether voluntarily or by force, how to be a better communicator. Yeah. And communication is the root of either all of your problems or all of your solutions. Mm. And I would say that because I was in the recruiting environment for so long, I, I have good, what I perceive is fucking good communication. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's... Um... Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about that. Well, yeah. I'd like to get into your transition. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, after doing so long in the recruiting, because, uh, you know, talk to me about um, 18 years in the Marine Corps. Uh, what type of experience? And you just recently transitioned, right? 2021. Yeah. Here we are in 2022. Um, what was your what has been your experience um, transitioning back into the civilian uh, world? Great question. So the, the, the experience for me. My, my experience has been pretty good. Um, and I would say primarily because I, I was proactive uh, about it. Uh, I knew at, at some point uh, the, the road will stop and the time of being in the organization will come to an end. And what is on the other side of the fence? Uh, and that's, that's what you got to think about. And because I thought that way, whether I was in the core at the time, 12, 13, 14 plus years, to me, I was sort of like uh, counting down, like, let's say at my 13 year mark, I'm like, I got seven years to set myself up for success. I'm starting fucking now. And because I was in the recruiting environment and was in the same spot for so long, like, damn, your homestead, um, no. Homestead, because I, I, did, I, I didn't leave uh, the, the area uh, mm. after, after 
um, being there. Uh, I began to, well, the reason I began to look into entrepreneurship was because I I had a, I would say the most impactful commanding officer ever. And he may, he may not know it, uh, but I would say he, he put like another lens in front of my face and changed or uh, adjusted my mindset ever so slightly. And his name, his name was Major Dollard. I, I believe, he, I, I, I want to say he retired as a colonel or a lieutenant colonel, but he was a self-developed net in the sense of he he would seek out these self-development seminars where it's like becoming the best version of yourself and and I think at the time it seemed uh pretty quirky or like corny sort of like Tony Robbins like you can do it and you can do it and you can do it um but he had set up uh an opportunity for the marines to go to a personal development seminar if they wanted to go on their own time. He was going to attend and it it was going to be in Irvine. And I was just like, you know, yeah, let me, like, I want to see what this is all about. Um, So I went, uh, I think there's probably like 10 or 15 other Marines. There's like 65 in the unit. And it, it was enlightening to say, to say the least, you know, a lot, a lot of the words that, that come out of, uh, these personal development seminars, a lot of the words, it's like common sense stuff. Like you, you've heard it before, but when you hear it, uh, in the way in which it's delivered and it's directed to you, it, it, it hits different mm. in, in the sense of, like you owe it to yourself. Like you, you begin to think bigger. And uh, I would say the the biggest part of entrepreneurship is really just betting on yourself. Uh, a lot of people will hesitate pulling the trigger, or making decisions on things, just because of what they they don't know what's on the other side of of the fence. And what prevents some people from not giving a fuck about what's on the other side of the fence because we're going to jump over and take it anyway mm. is that they don't have the confidence in their own ability to go over the fence and fucking crush it and, and that that was one, one of the most pivotal things so it's it's like all right cool like now how how am i going to dive into entrepreneurship like I, for the most part people in the military uh that were methodical or or analytical about stuff like we 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 are brave and courageous in a sense at the same time we are all about structure and and systems and processes and pioneering into something is sort of opposite of that it's not secure and uh so i i went and, and did what I felt was like the, the least risk thing. And I, I started uh, an ATM business. I started, I started going and soliciting cash only barber shops um, for ATMs. And uh, I utilized the skill set of communication or the sales process that I learned in the recruiting environment and simply modified some of the words uh, to where it makes sense. But in a nutshell, it was really 
Hi, my name's Andrew. I, I own and operate ATMs. I noticed you're cash only. Would you like one? And I would, I would go, go out and talk to the barbershop owner. They, they would either give me their two cents on, yeah, let, let's do it or, mm, and it's like they're skeptical that, uh, for one reason or another. Um, but it, but it was pretty cool. You know, like I, I, I didn't, I didn't come for money. It, the ATM business started with, with a credit card swipe to buy the machine. It was like 2,400 bucks and I had $2,000 cash to put into the machine. And, um, I had one ATM and I had one ATM for like six months. And then I, I ended up getting a second and a third one. And when I had three, I went, I went to like another seminar, but it, it was more just talking about entrepreneurship. And, uh, the guy he was talking, uh, he, he called on me and I, 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 I had told him, Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. This is what I do. I have three ATMs and they generate 1500 bucks a month. And he was like, well, I'm an entrepreneur, uh, too. Let me ask this. Why don't you have more ATMs? And I was like, well, it's because each ATM costs this much and it costs this much to put into the ATMs or this is how much money I need. And if it's generating 1500 bucks, I wouldn't be able to have another one until like four or six, six months into it. He's like, that's very like, uh, like structure and systems. Like a true entrepreneur would go like if, three ATMs would generate 1500 bucks. I'm going to go out and figure out how I get 30 ATMs or 60 ATMs because for every three, it's 1500 bucks. So more ATMs equal more money. And I'm just like, huh? All right. Oh, fuck me then. (laughs) And so, and and you know, it's funny. It wasn't until like six months later that it hit me. I was like, why do I not have more ATMs? And so I, I, I began carving out time and I went from three to 15 ATMs over the, la- the, the following 12 months. Um, but that was like my, my starting point in, in entrepreneurship. It was low risk. It generated money. Uh, the Marine Corps was my, my primary paycheck. That's what I lived off of. And, um, yeah, a- ATMs and then it pivoted into <laughs> f- the photo booth guy and, and event services. And then I had a, a, a run with supplements with a pre-workout with, with my buddy Thomas. And, and then fast forward to where I'm at now. Uh, I, the last year that I was in the Marine Corps, I was pretty fortunate because the expectation of, for my attendance was severely low. And I was able to, uh, operate, uh, a gym. So I, I, I bought, I bought into a franchise. And uh, the last 12 months or 11 months that I was in the Marine Corps, I, I, uh, operated a gym and which led to a second and then a third. And right now I'm actually, um, in a position, I just got asked uh, whether I wanted to, uh, purchase the rights to a territory that's adjacent to one of my current locations. And I'm pretty sure uh, by the time all, by the time this comes out, I'm going to say yes. Uh, um, (laughs) So What's your gym called? So the the name of the gym it's called the Camp Transformation Center. Okay. It, it's a it's a boutique boot camp uh, type gym. It, it's a large group hit style training. Mm. There there's one here in Costa Mesa. Mm. Uh, 
But yeah, I own the one in Laguna Hills, Anaheim, and then Ontario Ranch. And I was given the opportunity to acquire the Harupa Valley territory and then put one in Harupa Valley. Mm. And what's your the photo booth business called? Uh, so it, it's uh, recently just rebranded it to PBG Entertainment okay. uh, because we added a Mercedes Sprinter limo to the line items of service. Mm. Um, but it was the photo booth guy. Uh, but PBG Entertainment, we, we do private events, parties, corporate events. We've done some ring core balls. Uh, but that, that, that's, uh, the name of that one. Nice. Um, yeah. you know, we're going to start wrapping it up, but, um, I, I want, I'd like you to, um, you know, you know, it, do you think what skill sets can, uh, you know, we'll, we'll speak specifically on the Marines, but I think it will apply to every branch of service pretty much. Um, do you think every, uh, service, uh, man or woman, um, develop the skills in the military to be able to come out and get into entrepreneurship and run their own show? 100%. Um, 100%. Uh, I would say, so recently I went, I went to like a, a mastermind meeting where that one of my friends hosted and cause you know, I was, I was thinking to myself like, what, what, what do ATMs, photo booths, supplements, or gyms ha- have in common, right? It's totally different spaces or areas or industries. And in all reality, I'm, I'm the common denominator in that I'm, I, me, Andrew is the one who brings it together. And I was trying, like, I was thinking to myself and reflecting, <clears throat> it was on the drive there. And what, what I pinpointed, because what I pinpointed as to what has assisted me in putting all this shit together uh, was these four things. It was mindset, leadership, uh, communication, so like sales, and then systems and processes. One thing that is a common denominator with, with the gyms uh, that, that I operate and the photo booth company that, that I operate is I implemented systems and processes. So PBG entertainment, I have a team of 15 awesome team members. And with those 15 team members, I have one that works directly below me. And then directly below him, there are three team leaders and then directly below those three team leaders, there are three or four other team members that will work below them. Like this is a, in this company, I don't see anyone, but we're able to execute and ensure that the fucking photo booth is at the party and set up on time for when the person wants the photos to be taken. And it's like the only way to accomplish something like that is by executing systems and processes, uh, executing the leadership uh, experience that you gather from the military and the ability to communicate. That's, that's a, that's a forever journey. Like there is not one person that is the most perfect communicator. 
And, you know, in all reality, it's more active listening and and being mindful about how and which you say words and how specific you can be. Mindset, the people in the military, we're the toughest motherfuckers in the country. We're thick-skinned and we can take harsh words. We just have to be able to tell ourselves that we're the baddest motherfuckers in this country and that anything that you put your mind to, you can do it as long as you execute. And when you execute, you, you want to think about what it is that you want to accomplish. And, and once you think about what you want to accomplish, reverse engineer it and take this big problem and break it down to many small problems and then prioritize them and, and attack them one after another. And one, as you attack one after another, you begin to build confidence in your own abilities. So whether you've ever done something like that or you have never done something like that, that is one way in which to begin increasing confidence in your own abilities. Um, but you're, you are a product of your environment. Uh, and what I mean by that is you got to think about what you put into your mind, how, what you're listening to. Are you listening to toxic people, uh, or just negativity or are you listening to positive people? So whether it's reading books or, or listening to podcasts, what you ingest, that's, that's, that's where it all starts. It's, it starts here. What, what, what you think, your thought process, because your thought process will then bleed directly into how you feel. And then how you feel will bleed directly into your actions or lack thereof. But your actions will then cultivate your results. Um, and then you just wash, rinse, repeat that. So, but mindset, leadership. Uh, communication and systems and processes. Every member of the military has had some level of experience in those four things. And it's like, you just got to be honest with yourself and ask how good or how shitty you are in those four things, and then work to improve those items. And, and as you improve those items, you can, you can do it too. Yeah. Awesome, Andrew. Uh, that was great, man. Um, we're just going to wrap you. it up, man. Cut the tape. Uh, appreciate yeah. you being here. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my pleasure. Uh, your story is a big contribution to Urban Valor, and uh, we appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. You're doing, you're doing awesome things here. I'm just uh, appreciative of being a part of the journey. Thanks thank a you. lot, brother. Appreciate yeah. it. Push it to the limit. I can't go no more. Red light, no way I'm coming back home. Long dirt road all on my own. Be the greatest, draw my name in the stone Draw my name in the stone Yeah, I'm coming back home Yeah, I'm coming back